The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Welcome to Stacking the Box Podcast with Ian McMillan and Sterling Holmes. I am Sterling Holmes. Ian, looks like you uh, figured your ball situation out back there. Yeah, the empty shelf of balls wasn't looking good, so I just tossed in some uh, some normal balls. Some of them have some scuff marks on them, but now I don't have an empty shelf, and I will slowly replace them with logo balls as I get to visit more golf courses throughout the year. So uh, no more empty shelf. Ian joined the pregame set least like a little, little rundown show a little late today and i'm i'm fully convinced he goes oh shit it's because sterling's gonna call me out so he went to the garage got some balls out of his golf bag started fishing around there and threw them up there yeah you weren't the only one to bring up the empty shelf the past couple weeks so uh i had to address it it has been addressed um i also have a jackhammer it's on my window today so i'll mute myself whenever i'm talking this is living in new york this is the new york lifestyle baby mm. Under construction since 1776. But let's get into it. A lot to talk about today. We're going to talk about Saquon. We're going to talk about Frank Clark. We're going to talk about this news that just came out about, uh, about Stefan Diggs. We're going to talk about uh, our defensive positional power rankings. But I want to start with uh, Stefan Diggs' story. It's just breaking right now, and it's breaking from The Athletic and the Bills beat reporter for The Athletic. Uh, Joe, I'm going to apologize in advance. I'm sorry. I'm going to about to butcher your name. Your first name's Joe. Easy to pronounce. Last name, Buscal, B-U-S-C-A-G-L-I-A. All right. Buscaglia. Buscaglia. There we go. Uh, apparently, Bill's head coach, Sean McDermott, says wide receiver Stephon Diggs is not in attendance for mandatory minicamp. And McDermott went on to say he's very concerned, according to Joe he says McDermott wouldn't go any further into the situation or whether it was an excused absence. So not good for Stefan Diggs, not good for Bills fans. <laughs> yeah, I mean, definitely not good for Bills fans because they don't even have a wide receiver number two in that roster. So if they don't figure this issue out with Stefan Diggs, the Bills are toast. They, they can't win without any wide receivers. They aren't the Chiefs who were able to do it last year, but even the Chiefs obviously had Travis Kelsey. So uh i'm more concerned for bills and bills fans because i feel bad for bills fan base i always have they deserve a super bowl they lost four straight and now with the team that they have they haven't been able to even get to the super bowl and now their star wide receiver is not showing up to, to minicamp Thing, things are bad in buffalo and i feel for that for that fan base so they gotta figure it out we will follow this as it continues to progress. We have no idea if it's an excused or not. But again, when you hear a head coach say very concerned, odds are that means money's involved. Odds are it means a new contract is involved or they don't see eye to eye. Again, not good for Stefan Diggs and the Buffalo Bills. But let's get into Frank Clark to the Broncos. Frank Clark, Super Bowl champion, multiple time Super Bowl champion with the Kansas City Chiefs. 
heading to the AFC West arch rival Denver Broncos. What do you make of this? <laughs> it makes me giddy because once again, I think it was just last week we, we talked about this, Sterling. Anytime there's a player that's a free agent, especially a player that's on the Chiefs, you said it last week. He wants to come home. He wants to come play for the Chiefs. So nothing, nothing brought a smile on my face more than seeing that he not only left the Chiefs, but went to an AFC West rival. I thought everyone wanted to play for Kansas City. What happened here? Hey, Adams, I'm not a everyone's to play for Kansas City type of guy. I'm not sitting here <laughs> saying DeAndre. I'm not going to sit here and tell you DeAndre Hopkins is coming to Kansas City and take less money. I'm not on that train. Frank Clark was different. I didn't think he had a market. That's the difference. I didn't think Frank Clark had a market. I thought he was going to be in the Carlos Dunlap one-year, three million type range. Again, the majority of this offseason, I said the best landing spot's probably a team in Florida. I thought Jacksonville was a good chance, and I thought Miami was a good chance. He decided to go to Denver. He thinks he's Neil Smith. Uh, For Ian, if you don't know who Neil Smith is, he was in the Chiefs Ring of Honor, right? Phenomenal edge rusher for, for Kansas City with Derek Thomas. He ended up going to Denver, and then he won a couple Super Bowls with Denver. But I don't think Frank Clark has that left in the tank. I, I, I don't think the Chiefs are going to offer him near the $5.5 million guaranteed, up to $7.5 million guaranteed in incentives. End of the day, I'm sitting here saying, good for you, Frank. That, that's good money. <laughs> so now it's not that Frank didn't want to come back. It's that the Chiefs actually just didn't want him. Not for that price, no. All right. Well, if, if you're going to be a veteran situational edge rusher, you're going to play, what, 30% of the snaps? You're not paying that guy five and a half million up to seven and a half million. They got the three million that was given out to Carlos Dunlap last year. Uh, they did it before when they traded for Melvin Ingram for a sixth rounder. They did it the year before prior to that with Terrell Suggs, which they traded for it midseason. If you're going to use his veteran edge rusher, which at this point the Chiefs were to use Frank Clark in that way, you're not giving that guy five and a half plus million. It makes no sense. All right. I mean, yeah, yeah, you're probably right. So you think he, he just he just went to the Broncos for the money. I think he probably got a good chunk more. Again, if we're using Carlos Dunlap as a jumping off point, they tried to restructure Frank Clark's deal. Frank Clark said no. He was already on the hook for a good chunk of change in Kansas City as a dead cap hit. Doesn't matter. He didn't want to restructure. He thought he might be able to get more in the open market. Looks like he did. He's only 29 years old, which is crazy because you think he's 33, 34. He's 29. Part of me was a little surprised. No team offered a two-year deal. And maybe he got offered a two-year deal by a really bad team. We probably won't know that. But again, five and a half million is going to be more than what the Chiefs were willing to offer. I'm happy for Frank Clark. It is a little befuddling. He's going to the AFC Denver Broncos, their rivals. But I don't think that he really makes the Broncos a contender. The Broncos already had a good defense. Defense wasn't the issue. It's going to come down to Russell Wilson. Uh, If they think that bringing in a championship caliber player helps the overall locker room, then go for it. But you already have that with Russell Wilson as your quarterback. So uh, for Denver, I'm a little perplexed why this was a, uh, uh, I guess, frankly, why this deal was given out. Yeah, like you said, not defense wasn't the issue last year. So this is not going to make a difference uh, for the Broncos much. But um, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Good for him. I will say maybe this is because the Broncos have not beaten the Kansas City Chiefs since 2015. Uh, at some point, you're like, you know what? I don't care what we do. I don't care if we only win four games. We're going to try and beat the Chiefs for the first time in eight-plus years. That That's the only logical explanation. Now. Maybe they brought him in just to give some inside tips uh, and <laughs> uh, some insider information to beat the Chiefs. That would be a shame. Uh, let, let's switch gears and talk Saquon Barkley. Saquon Barkley was asked at his AMPT football camp how optimistic he was about getting a long-term deal from the New York Giants. He paused 
seemingly unsure of the appropriate answer, went on to say, I don't know. I don't know. So he is franchise tagged, but he is not signed said franchise tag because he's not signed the franchise tag, tag he won't, and he's not allowed to go to training camp. So apparently the Giants had an offer out to Barkley earlier this year that would have been close to $14 million per season, but Barkley and his team turned it down. Now, Barkley, in his own regard, said he's not trying to become the highest paid running back. He's not trying to reset the market but I don't know what that 14 mil per year contract actually looked like. We don't have legitimate numbers. It's a lot of he said, he said, right? Or he said, she said, uh, she said. So it's going to be difficult to actually, what was substantial about that contract? How much was guaranteed? How much of it was just fluff? We won't know. But I will say right now, not looking good for Saquon and not looking good for the Giants. Yeah, I think this this says something uh, uh, something uh, about the bigger picture of of running backs right now because they're in a very weird situation where owners and general managers aren't really valuing them or at least not past their first contract. They figure rookie contracts are the way to go for running backs. After the rookie contract, dump them and you can get you know the next uh, another rookie running back in the third round. Uh, for a lot cheaper that's right around the same skill level so running backs as a whole now don't have a long shelf life don't generally get signed to big contracts and don't make a lot of money but if we're talking about a position that deserves money maybe not for the results but a few few positions take the beating that running backs take getting the ball time after time running into you know defensive linemen running into linebackers just getting teed off on time and time again Running backs, for the amount of like hits that they take to their head and, and for health reasons and for you know long-term health reasons, should be getting a ton of money, but now the market has kind of turned sour on them. So running backs as a whole need to kind of start standing up for themselves. Uh, Austin Eckler did it for him and then did it try to do it, but then at the end he just kind of ended up taking whatever money he got. There, there's only a couple of running backs who actually can stand up for themselves and try to get long-term deals. And Saquon Barkley is probably one of three, four guys in the NFL who can do it. So good for him. I don't know what happens if, cause there's rumors that they might sit out this year. I don't know. Like if you get franchise tag, but you don't sign it and then you sit out the next year, where does that leave you the next off season? I don't know, but yeah, I, I support him. He, he, I don't think it's about necessarily the amount of money for him. It seems like it's more about contract length because of what's been happening to running backs in the NFL over the past few years. Yeah, when Barkley was asked about the potential of sitting out, he said he will at least contemplate sitting out the season. That comes up in conversation if something doesn't get done by July 17th, who also specified that's not something he's thought much about. Um, he also wanted to say, me getting tagged, was I upset about it? Nobody wants to get tagged. To sit here and say I was frustrated, I was mad, I was upset. What really got me upset was the stories that got leaked out and how misleading and untruthful they were. They were trying to paint a narrative of me, paint a picture of me that's not even true. Trying to negotiate a new contract has been an eye-opening process, coming to the real to the reality that this is just a business. So he understands his value. I, I'm with you. The Redback market is down, and Barkley actually went on in this interview to say he understands and is aware of the current situation where the running back market is at. But he did go on to say he's been part of the winning culture change, the difference in getting wins with the New York Giants. I think it's tough to disagree when he is such a 
not just a good running back, but a good receiving running back. And that's what you really have to look for in today's NFL. Now, again, you saw Carolina get burned by the Christian McCaffrey contract, right? You see the Saints and Alvin Kamara. Uh, You look around at all these running backs, Ezekiel Elliott, Todd Gurley. You don't know when that fall is going to happen, especially a running back with a litany of injuries like Saquon Barkley. The end of the day, the Giants have somewhat built their team around him. It would almost be crazy to not pay him at this point. Yeah, I yeah, I agree. Um, I'll always stand up for the players in these situations and all, especially the running back. So I wish him the best. Uh, Tyreek Hill says he could become the first 2,000-yard wide receiver. What do you make of this? Um, yeah, I, I think he has this skill and the ability to, especially because he's such a deep threat with his speed. He can rack up yards in a hurry. It's a little bit tough uh, with him, you know, splitting targets in that offense with Waddle. So I don't know. I thought that was interesting. No one has ever got 2000 receiving yards. The last guy who came closest was Calvin Johnson, who was like, I think, 1937 yards or something. He was less than 100 yards away. But Calvin Johnson was the only receiver on that team. Uh, Tyreek Hill has the ability to do it, but he's not the only receiver on that team. So mm, I don't think he'll do it. Yeah, Calvin Johnson would be my bet as well. I'm shocked he didn't. Uh, But with Tyreek Hill, I will say this. He had 1,710 yards last year. Did he have that many? Wow. 1,710 yards. Yeah, Jalen Waddell is there, but you can also make the case that that helps him. Helps him see more one-on-ones and and less over-the-top help than he would without him. Uh, You can also make a case that Tua Tagovailoa, while I don't think he's the best quarterback, he's clearly better than the backups that were on the Miami Dolphins who were thrown to uh, to Tyreek Hill, what, three, four games out of the year at least? Five games? How how, how many games did Tua play in? So if you want to take the look from Tyreek Hill, he's saying, hey, I got 1,700 yards, and I didn't even have my QB throw me the rock the majority of the time. I, I don't think it's actually that much out of the equation. Well, as we established last week, Tua Tagovailoa is the fifth best quarterback in the NFL. No, according to you. According to a dude who does not know ball. <laughs> Non-ball knower. The only balls he knows are the balls behind his head. Uh, yeah. No, I, I <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think, yeah. No, I, I don't think Tyreek Hill can do it. But I, I didn't know he had that many yards last year. That is kind of shocking to me. So uh, maybe with a full season with Tua, maybe he can. I think it's possible. Don't think it's likely. But again, does he get 290 more yards if Skylar Thompson isn't the dude throwing him the rock? Uh, I, again, I don't think it's out of the uh, equation, out of the question. Uh, let's get into it. Let's do our defensive positional rankings, starting with the defensive line. Ian, what do you have? Um, all right, I'll start with number one. I'll go TJ Watt, a guy who ran into some injury issues last year, only played in 10 games. The year before that, he was defensive player of the year with 22 and a half sacks the year before that he led the nfl with 15 sacks he was second in defensive player of the year voting the year before that third in defensive player of the year voting so tj watt if he's healthy i think is the best defensive player in the nfl still made the pro bowl last year even though he only played in 10 games um so i'll go tj watt for 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 number one yeah i'll go tj watt one two uh tj watt is just unreal i mean think of the watt family how J.J. Watt at one point was the best edge rusher in the NFL. T.J. Watt, now the best edge rusher, edge rusher in the NFL. And then I'll throw in, just, just for fun, a fullback in the NFL. That's pretty damn cool. That's insane. C- congrats to them. Good, good genes. Are they the most – they got to be up there for the most current athletic 
like brother sister group in sports history right now, or at least current sports. You had Jason and Travis obviously was talked about a lot this year. You have Peyton and Eli. I wouldn't say athletic, but it's tough to disagree with Peyton and Eli Manning with the amount of Super Bowls they won and stats they put up at such an important position. I'll throw one. Nelly Corda, Jessica Corda, both best golfer, two, two of the best golfers on yeah. the LBGA, and their brother, Sebastian Corda, one of the better tennis players in the world. Ooh, that's a good one. What about uh, the Molinas? Yachty, Benji, and Jose. Sure. Was that weren't they all brothers? I'm pretty sure. Three know. brothers, and they all caught in the MLB at the same time. Yeah, that there you go. That's insane. That has to be up there. All right. Who do you have it to? All right. Number two, I have Aaron Donald. Little bit of a step back last year, obviously. So I was hesitant to put him at number two. Maybe he has lost a little bit of a step, but I still just can't put anyone else there just because of his body of work. I mean, it's so hard to dominate as a defensive tackle and to really get a lot of stats as a defensive tackle, because really if you're a good defensive tackle, what you should do is draw double teams. And then even if you don't rack up the stats, then at least you're drawing double teams and opening things up for the rest of the defensive line. Aaron Donald drew double teams almost every play and still racked up unbelievable stats. So yeah, he took a bit of a step pet back last year. So if you don't want to put him at number two or number three, I would understand, but his, his body of work is so good. I'm willing to look past maybe one not so great season, especially with how the Rams played. Maybe he comes back this next year a little bit stronger. So I'll, I'll still go Aaron Donald number two. Yeah, just based on last year, he did take a slight step back. Again, if he all of a sudden reclaims form and is the best defensive player in the NFL, I would not be shocked. I love Aaron Donald. Again, he's a, already a clear-cut Hall of Famer. The point is, though, we're not looking at past accomplishments. We're trying to project what's he going to yeah. look like right now in 2023. Yeah, I right. have him just down just a little bit, j- just down this list a little bit. So at number two, Micah Parsons. Yeah. Micah Parsons is is unreal, man. What he can do, the impact he has, you take him away from that Cowboys defense, they're not good. I mean, they're not. They're fine. But with Micah Parsons, it's a whole different team. Micah Parsons, he makes that defense go. He is so versatile. He can do everything. Micah Parsons, to me, is the second-best defensive player in the NFL. Defensive lineman in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, I think he finished second defensive player of the year uh, voting. I will say one thing that I, I, Parsons on my list, obviously, he's down a little bit just because he didn't finish the season as strong as I would have liked to see. Um, he only got, in his last six games, he only got a sack and a half. Um, but like the first two thirds of the season, like two sacks, two sacks, two, like he was a sack monster. He slowed up a little bit in the last six games of the season. So I'd like to see a full 17 game season body of work from him for him to crack my top two or three. Uh, but he's on my list. You have a three. I have the sack leader from last year at number three. I don't know how you could rank Nick Bosa any lower than number three, considering he led the NFL in sacks last year by two and a half. 18 and a half sacks, the next closest was Miles Garrett with 16. I have Nick Bosa at four. Okay. So Nick Bosa is one lower. Chris Jones is at three. Chris Jones. Jones, And I have the stats to back it up, so get ready for this one, pal. All right. Uh, Who was the highest graded interior defensive uh, lineman in the NFL last year? Uh, I'm going to guess Chris Jones. It was was Chris Jones. He was the highest pass rush at 92.2, highest overall at 92.3. He wasn't a slouch in run defense as well, grading out at 80.7, according to PFF. I mean, Chris Jones – 
there's a reason why he was top three in you know defensive MVP voting. Chris Jones is an animal, and again, at this point, I think he's the best interior defense alignment in the NFL. Again, Aaron Donald has the better career. I'm not disagreeing with you there. I, I get what you're saying. But what I saw last year was Chris Jones was better last year than Aaron Donald was. Not yeah. by a lot. Not by a lot, but but it was Chris Jones. And so for being the best interior defensive pass rush in the NFL, I'm going with Chris Jones three, Bosa four. Yeah, I mean, I, I do I do like to tease it because obviously he's a Chiefs guy. and and But I, I mean, at the end of the day, I won't argue too much. Yeah, he was probably the best interior defensive lineman last year. Although PFF does... Did rank his coverage last season at just a 64, his one snap that he played in coverage. So I don't know, big hole in his game. They got to watch out for that next year. Uh, maybe <laughs> opposing offenses can expose that. Uh, but no, yeah, I, I, he's he's not in my top five. He probably could be. He'd probably be coming in at number six for me. So yeah, I, I won't argue too much. All right. Who do you have at four for you? Uh, I have Miles Garrett, number four, who was second in the, tied for second in the NFL with sacks with 16 with Hassan Reddick. I think he's a kind of getting underrated somehow yeah. for the Browns. Um, I don't really know why, but not many people talk about just how good Miles Garrett is. Uh, and if we're talking uh, PFF rankings, they actually ranked him as the best uh, edge defender in the NFL last year with a ranking in 92.5, one spot above Micah Parsons. So uh, yeah, I'll put, I'll slot in Miles Garrett there. So I am going to be very lame and I apologize in advance. I know this is just absurd and I'm being an, Unfair, but I have 5A, 5B, and 5C because I couldn't figure out who to go with. It's Aaron Donald, Miles Garrett, and Max Crosby. Maybe what we should have done was to do interior and and edge. Yeah, we probably should have done that. Yeah, to, you know, toss all defensive linemen in the same group maybe wasn't fair. So I will let the 5A and 5B slide. Thank you. It's actually 5C too because I I can't leave Max Crosby out. It's Max Crosby, Miles Garrett, and, and Aaron Donald because you look at what Max Crosby does and he might be the most underrated edge rush in the NFL. Miles Garrett, I think, is underrated too to an extent, but there's still a lot of talk about him. He's drafted, what, first overall, right? So there's still some buzz. There's not a whole bunch of buzz about Max Crosby, and all he does is produce for a horrendous team and a horrendous defense. He gets after the quarterback. He's absurd both getting after the QB and in the run game. Max Crosby, I got to tip my cap to him, man. I'm a Chiefs guy, and this is me saying, hey, Raiders guy, you're good. Max Crosby is damn good. Yeah, really good at stopping the run. Uh, arguably the best run stopper amongst all these edge rushers. Because usually when you when you talk about edge rushers, you bring up sacks, you bring up rushing the passer. Um, but obviously, still stopping the run is a big factor. And I would, if you if we're ranking the top run stoppers on on the defensive line, he would pro- might pro- would probably top my list in terms of the edge guys uh, in terms of stopping the run. So I like Max Crosby quite a bit. He, if I was doing a five B and C, five B and C for me would be Max Crosby and Chris Jones. So yeah, so maybe we should, maybe we should have split it up between interior and edge. Uh, so I'm gonna go ahead and blame you, Ian, for that. Yeah, um, is that is that on you? Is that fair? Yes. Just also how- later later on, we're rating just defensive backs instead of splitting it up between corners and safeties. Which once I started filling out my list, I found out that was a problem too. Yeah, this is very difficult. But you know what? That's what we do. We make the tough decisions. Yes. But we don't make them that tough because we allow ourselves to put five A, B, and C. So that's what we do here on this show. We're, we're, we're a friend of many. All right, linebackers. Linebackers. What are you going with here? Linebacker is such a, a fascinating position because it's kind of gone the way of – they're kind of like the running backs of the defense now. Like when I was growing up and watching football and following football, like – the linebackers were the guys you talked about on defense. You know, the Brian Erlackers, you know, the Ray Lewis, the 
uh terrell suggs i believe an outside linebacker like the linebackers were the guys that you talked about and now like i was looking through the list of linebackers like nobody talks about these guys uh so this out of actually all the positions outside of offensive linemen which you did last week which i didn't really participate in i think actually the hardest group of players to rank so i took roquan smith number one i know i'm kind of making the mistake in the same mistake i made with aaron donald where maybe i'm just evaluating guys on their whole body work and not last season because roquan smith i don't think had a fantastic year last year uh but still pretty solid i mean 103 solo tackles um and i think he was all pro so i'll take roquan smith uh as my number one linebacker Mm. yeah i can't get there i cannot get there uh i have fred warner as my number one linebacker fred warner from san fran is just so incredibly good pass coverage uh run stopping fred warner is one of the most complete linebackers in football i'm going fred warner number one yeah and i have him number two so i'm not gonna i'm not gonna complain too much about that uh i'll go levante david uh david number two for me uh an incredible coverage linebacker graded out as one of the best coverage linebackers in football um huge fan of levante david so i'm gonna go levante david number two uh i have levante david number three wow Look so as hard of it as it is to evaluate linebackers we're we're pretty close to one another so far through the first three. so i'm going with matt milano matt milano do, is i do not have matt milano in my top five for the bills he is he was banged up a lot last year uh, matt milano is an incredible linebacker he does it all for the bills he is the guy that really is just in the middle for what they do. You, you hear some talk about their defensive line. You hear a lot of talk about, you know, Tredavious White and, and, and Micah Hyde and, and Joy and Poyer, right? But it's Matt Milano. That's the guy, in my opinion, that really sets everything up for the Buffalo Bills defense. Now, it hasn't worked in the playoffs, but in the regular season, he's a damn good linebacker. I'm going to go Milano uh, as my number three. Uh, all right, my number four, and I will mispronounce this guy's name, uh, even though I've heard it before, Foyasad Alukun. Did I, how close did I get to that? The J- Aluacon, I'm pretty sure. Aluacon. Yeah, that, sound, that, that sounds more right. Uh, linebacker for the Jaguars. Maybe his PFF rankings aren't quite as high, but I got to give respect to the tackle leader. He led the NFL both in combined tackles last year and solo tackles. Actually, 20 more solo tackles than the next closest uh, defender. This is all defensive positions, not just linebackers. Um, now, sometimes you can make the argument that that is a product of um, a bad defense. If he's the only good player on defense, then he's going to be the guy cleaning a lot of uh, offensive plays up. But at the end of the day, I got to give this guy respect. Still, even if he has a bad defense around him, you're not you can't rack up 128 solo tackles uh, as a less than stellar defender, in my opinion. So um, I will take Foyasad. How'd you say it? Nope. This is all you now, baby. I'll. Aluacon. There you go. All right. I'm going with number four, Roquan Smith. We talked about it. Roquan Smith didn't have a great year last year, but Roquan Smith is still a very, very good linebacker. I'll put him at number four. I'm I'm switching my number five. Yeah, you um, should. And this you definitely is, should. <laughs> I'm, I yeah. see who you had on the list beforehand, and you definitely should. All right. I'm switching my five to the guy who – we all knew this guy was one of the best linebackers in the NFL. He went to a different team last year. I didn't realize how good of a year he had last year, maybe because he was stuck on a bad Rams team. But Bobby Wagner is ranked number one last year for PFF. Now, obviously, once again, PFF is not the be-all, end-all. But 
Bobby Wagner, number one ranked linebacker last year for PFF, now back in Seattle. Um, so I'll put him at number five. Yeah, uh, I actually have him at number six. If you saw my little list right there, I have Demario Davis at five. I'm a huge fan of Demario Davis for the Saints. He 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 again does a little bit of everything: coverage, getting after the quarterback, uh, great tackler. He's been the focal point of that Saints defense for a long time. He's kind of been the He's been the guy, man. I, I, I'm just a huge fan of Demario Davis. I love watching him play. So I have Demario Davis at five. And if you want 5B, you got my Bobby Wagner. I am shocked you didn't put Nick Bolton in your top five. I love Nick Bolton. I'm a Mizzou guy, too. I told you I'm not a homer. Uh, I'm a, yeah, a Mizzou guy and a Chiefs guy, and you didn't take Nick Bolton? I'm, I'm not shocked. a homer. I'm, I'm not a homer. Uh, I, love, I love Nick Bolton. He's not top five in the NFL. Uh, of all linebackers, no. Top 10, you might be starting to get some uh, a case for Top 15, I'll say yes for sure, but he's not top five. And I love Nick Bolton. Maybe he becomes that this year, though. It's possible. He, he's a great tackler. but some Second of the, tackles. Yeah, but some of the physical attributes, he, he's not great in coverage. And we knew that coming out of college, right? So he might be the one of, if not the best tackler in football, right? But again, I can't go there if you're not good in coverage. So that's where I'm at. Uh, I want to give an honorable mention to Tremaine Edmonds of the Bears. Uh, and according to PFF, once again, take this with a grain of salt, but uh, best coverage linebacker, but he can't stop the run. So, um, but in terms of coverage, Tremaine Edmonds, the best linebackers. Any other honorable mentions that we should give out here? That's what I got right now. No, right. I'm going with that. All right. What do we got? Uh, defensive backs. And we did not split this up between corners and safeties. Um, I have gone very safety heavy in my list. So let's dive uh-huh. into this. You want me to start? You go first. I think the best defensive back, safety corner, no matter what you want to do, is Derwin James of the Chargers. I think he has it all. I think he can stop the run. I think he can defend the pass. He has um, explosion. He has a quick first step. Um, he is all over the field. It seems like when you're watching a Chargers game, you see Derwin James more often than any other defensive player. I love watching him play. He is my number one defensive back. I don't care what stats say. I don't care what PFF says, which I actually don't know what they say about him. Let me see if I can find out. They say well, he's fine. <laughs> they say he's fine. They say but he's like, good. He, he's top. 12, 12 yeah. with a safeties. Okay, so PFF has now lost all credibility. Uh, my number one, Sauce Gardner. Sauce Gardner as a rookie. Yeah. And going now into okay. his sophomore year is my number one. I, I, number see, one defensive back in the NFL is a guy who was just a rookie. In your correct. Opinion. You and, I, you and I went back and forth. I went with cornerback heavy. I think safety is, for the most part, less, not quite as important as cornerback, in my opinion. Okay. I, 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 value, I value elite corners much more than I value elite safeties. That's where my personal opinion lies. If I was building a team, I'm drafting elite corner before I draft elite safety. Hmm. Um, Sauce Gardner, though, man, what more can you say? Like, defensive rookie of the year, but also the best cornerback in the NFL last year. I don't think there's really much debate about it. So the best corner for me is going to be the number one defensive back. All right. I, yeah, I know that we're just evaluating guys, how we feel about them right now, but I just struggle with, although I do, I, I mean, I do have him on my list. I have him at number four and I have another former rookie at number five, but I just struggle putting a guy number one who we only have one season of, of a sample size to look at, but I guess, I guess you're only as good as your last season anyways. So I, I mean, what more do you want to see? That dude was locked down. He was the best defensive player on a great defense. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I mean, he is on my list. He's at number four. Number two for me, though, I got Minka Fitzpatrick. Mm, it's a good one. 
Uh, I have Minka on my list, but I'm going Darius Slay at number two. Darius Slay is an outstanding corner, and he was the CB1 on a great defense, a historically good defense with the Philadelphia Eagles, right? Now, if you'd make the case that some of the reason he was so great was because they got so much pressure on the quarterback, I'll entertain it. Yeah. But he was locked down, man. He made big play. That's why I call him big play slay, right? He he locks down opposing wide receiver ones. Now, I understand you can always point out a cornerback tape and you'll find one where they're getting mossed. That's the life of a cornerback. You have to have a short memory. Darius Slay, in my opinion, was phenomenal last year. Things are going to be phenomenal again this year. Darius Slay, number two. Yeah, and that brings me to my number three. You just made a point about uh, there's always going to be highlights of a guy getting mossed or a guy getting burnt, and this happens uh, to this guy, I think, more than anyone else. So people, I think, sometimes don't think that he's as good as he is, but I'll say Jalen Ramsey. Big mouth, sometimes it gets him in trouble, but at the end of the day, in my opinion, he uh, I have him as my number one corner in the NFL. So I think he's the only – I have him and – so I have him and Sauce Gardner three and four. So those are my two corners on the list. Yeah. I, I, I think I think he I think he gets roasted on social media a lot and it makes people think he's not as good as he is. But Jalen Ramsey is a lockdown corner. Yeah, I mean, he he's outstanding. Uh, it, it's so easy. And it's when you talk that much smack like you can't be Eli Apple. Eli Apple talks that smack and then gets torched. Right. But his team does well, relatively well. And I will say one thing about Jalen Ramsey that uh, is an underrated skill for corners especially in today's nfl is tackling i think he's one of the best run stopping corners in the nfl and that's going to be that's huge with how teams run their offenses quite often that's not mm-hmm. as many runs in between the tackles anymore it's a lot of motion it's a lot of tosses to the outside it's reverses it's a lot of the cornerbacks are now a lot more involved in stopping the run than they used to be so and he's in my opinion the best run stopping corner so so you and I kind of have the same thing here. Four and five, I went with the safeties of Minka, Fitzpatrick, and then Derwin James. That's where I put my two top two safeties behind the top three corners. Uh, some honorable mentions that were very, very hard for me was Patrick Sertan yep. from the Broncos. I think he is outstanding. And Javarius Ward and Legereus Sneed. Javarius Ward with San Fran, phenomenal last year. Everyone points to that game where he got destroyed by DK Metcalf. A lot of cornerbacks. A lot of players get destroyed by DK Metcalf. Javarius Ward, again, a great tackler as well. Legereus Sneed for the Chiefs just missing the cut. He's such a versatile chess piece. He took over the Tyron Matthew role to an extent of blitzing the quarterback. Uh, he's a great tackler for a corner. I love Legereus Sneed, but I couldn't quite get him top five. I felt like that was too much of a reach, and I'm not going to be a homer. Speaking of Homer, Swiss Mr. KC in the chats is a couple of years from now. I could see McDuffie being in the top five corners was great as a rookie. Thoughts Dude, on that? Yeah. In a few years, I could see it being a top five corner. Uh, he graded out last year as 16th at cornerback for uh, PFF rankings. But where McDuffie really, really thrives is he's not a big dude, but he's such a smart player. Like, I know it's easy to tell guys, use the sideline as your friend. He really did. Like he would push guys out of bounds, force them over there when they're in the air, when they're running the routes. He's just a very intelligent player. So I do think there's something to Trent McDuffie eventually being top five. I don't think he's going to be there this upcoming season, but maybe in the future. Uh, my number five is a guy who's coming off for his rookie season. Um, Jay Ward says, are we ranking DBs? Yes, we are. Let, give us your top five. Um, I'm going to go Kyle Hamilton, number five, which I know is a little bit of a reach. 
Yeah, actually, I think he only even started like five games last year uh, for the Ravens. But this is a guy who is the number one ranked safety by PFF. But uh, with PFF ranking Derwin James number 12, they've lost credibility in my mind. Um, but I like this guy coming out of Notre Dame. I think he's going to have an increased role in their defense this year. And he's going to be become a much more known name, I think, after this season. So I'll take Kyle Hamilton, number five. Yeah, maybe a little, probably a little bit of a reach though. It's a little bit, but again, I think he's a really good player. I just don't think he played enough. I I need to see more. And again, safeties, you have to really be making a lot of plays for me to to put you in the top five. I just think cornerback is so much more valuable. There's a reason why you see cornerbacks transition to uh, to safety. Very rarely do you see safeties transition to cornerback. Yeah, that's fair. All right, we're doing kickers. Are we? Are we going to do a, a kicker ranking? Uh, yeah, I can come up with, with with kicker ranking. I already know my top two. I think number one, we can all agree, right? Justin Tucker. Justin Tucker's the greatest kicker of all time. Yes, and I don't think it's close. Like, I don't think it's close. Like, Justin Tucker, what he has done, not just the leg strength, but the accuracy. Most accurate kicker in NFL history. Uh, he, what did he kick? Like a sixty-six yarder to win it one game. Yeah, against the Lions a couple of years ago, wasn't it? Yeah, Justin Tucker hit that one off the crossbar, right? It hit the front and went in. I think that was against the Lions, I believe. 66 yards. Yeah. He's the, he's the greatest kicker of all time. Yeah. Obviously, it was Adam Vinatieri, probably, especially with the Super Bowls that he won. But, I mean, I don't think you can argue with Justin Tucker. So, if we're ranking kickers, Justin Tucker still has to be number one. Number two, easy. Only two Falcons have been listed so far in our power rankings. Kyle Pitts, a tight end. Chris Lindstrom is offensive line. The third player is Young Way Koo. Man. The Falcons legend, Young yes. Way Koo, is the second best kicker in the NFL. I will say last year he did take a bit of a step back. The year before that, he was statistically, I think, the second best kicker in the NFL. So I'll go yeah. with my guy, Young Way Koo. Legend. In, in 2021, he was the third most accurate kicker in the NFL. Field goal percentage of 93.9%. Um, and then in 2020, which makes it even more impressive, he was the only kicker in the NFL who hit more than 93% of his field goals in those past two years. So he's actually been quietly. Was he with the Chargers originally? Rookie season, he was with the Chargers. And I've read as an article or tweet thread about how bad rookie kickers always are. And they always fail with their first team and then go to his second team. And then they're super successful. And yeah, he was with the Chargers. They let him go. He was bad. And I think he went somewhere else for maybe a game or two. Chiefs um, Hall of Fame kicker Nick Nick Lowry said the same thing. A lot of times your first stop as a kicker is difficult. It just yeah. it takes a lot of time, a lot of patience, a lot of practice. It's just different. So I think there is something to that. But Young Way Koo will be my top five. I'll, I'll say he's I'll say he's four. All right, I'll 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 take that. I'll say he's four. No, because he actually is a very underrated kicker. Daniel Carlson for the Raiders is number two. Yep. Daniel Carlson was okay. He, how long was it, did he not miss a kick for last year? It was something crazy. I'm going to see what Daniel Carlson actually went last year um, for the Raiders. Because Daniel Carlson ended up going 34 of 37. The year before, he was 40 of 43. The year before, he was 33 of 35. I mean, that's just consistently incredible, good kicking. He was ele- Last year, he was 11 for 13 from over 50 yards, which is pretty insane. <laughs> Yeah, he was AP1, All-Pro 1 as a kicker. Um, he was on my fantasy football team, which obviously was a uh, good pickup by your boy. Um, but yeah, I'll go Daniel Carlson too. Young Way Koo, I'll, I'll, go, I'll go four with you. And just while we're in between, I might get yelled at by some people. Probably get yelled at by mostly Chiefs fans. Harrison Butker. How dare he, you? He was horrible last year. But yeah. was he? No, he was just 
average last year where I think people are getting this misnomer is he was injured last year. He injured himself game one mm. uh, against the Arizona Cardinals. And again, talking to, you know, former NFL Hall of Fame kickers, right? The issue is it's hard. You're trying to play through it. You have an injury to your kicking leg or your plant leg. Those are the two things you need to kick. Good luck trying to make it. So he could never get fully healthy, never uh, got his rhythm back. But where he was always clutch was game winners. He's been clutch on game winners throughout his entire career. I don't care if you miss a 33-yarder or an extra point in the in the regular season if I can trust you to make a 55-yard in the games on the line in the playoffs. I trust Bucker doing that. For that reason alone, he's third on my list. Okay, so I'll, yeah, so I had uh, Tucker, obviously, one. Young Wei Koo, number two. I'll take uh, Daniel Carlson, number three. Number four, I think I'll go um, Matt Gay for the Rams. Uh, went 28 to 30 last year, seven for eight from beyond 50 yards has done it for a couple of years now has a super bowl ring. I'll take Matt Gay of the Rams at number Man, four. That's really good. I would have had Evan McPherson in there, but he kind of fell off. He did fall off a little bit. Chris Boswell. Chris Boswell's not, was did not have a good year last year at all. He was bad. Yeah, He, he was, was falling bad. off a little bit. I would say Eddie Panera went 33 for 35 last year. Man, um, Jason Myers went 34 for 37. Oh, he, oh, for uh, Miami, right? Myers, I think he's Seattle. Yeah, he's Seahawks. Who's the Miami kicker? Jason Sanders is who I was thinking of. Jason Sanders was really good two years ago. What did he do last year? What did all Jason Sanders do last year? Not very good. <laughs> you could also say Jake Elliott of, of the Eagles is up there. Yeah. Well, for nine, my number five, I guess I'll go Eddie Pinero. Sorry. 33. I was, I lied. Jason Sanders was really good in 2020. The past two years, he's been, uh, he's been buttons. Hunter says Jake Moody at five, top kicker in the NFL draft. Let me guess. He went to the 49ers. Wow. I'm (laughs) shocked, Hunter. I'm shocked. All right. I'm going to go you at number five, Ian. I could kick. How, how far do you think you can, you can make a field goal from? I, I think I can make a 30-yarder. I, I mean, if we're just talking like just lining it up, like non-NFL setting where of, you know. Yeah, I'm not getting over. I'm not getting over dudes jumping at right. me. I'm going to I'm gonna piss myself. Like, I, I think I'm going to make a stream. I'm a lefty. Ooh. I think, okay. I think I could I think I could kick a 30-yarder. Okay, Seabass. Sebastian Janikowski, a little lefty over there. All right. Mm. I think we should do this. All right. I'm gonna go to a go to a high school. You go to a high school. We're gonna line up some field goals. Are you not allowed? You're not allowed at high schools anymore. <laughs> is that is that what that voice? No, was? it's. I mean, it's not like New York's. It's not like downtown Manhattan. Like has like a ton of like high school football fields I can go to and kick a field goal at. I don't, I, I've never seen a football field since I moved to the city. So Hunter says he made a forty yarder. Oh, I don't believe that for a second. Yeah, maybe it was on a tee. We all know the tees, the ball goes far. You're going to have someone holding it. Yes. Come on. The, these are the rules of kicking. I don't know. You and I, we're going to go. You find a field, okay? Build one if you have to. I don't Build one in the streets, okay? Get yelled at by some guy who's calling you Copernicus as you're walking by. Go. You're going to kick it through a bodega window. I get it. But there has to be a football it. field somewhere in the city. I mean, they have football in New York, I'm assuming. Well, no, they don't, because actually football's played in New Jersey. Bunch of posers. Bunch of liars, quite frankly. But uh, I'll find one, and we'll send a video of us kicking field goals against each other to see if we can kick the longest one. All right, deal. All right. Before we get out of here, two things. One, if you're going to do us a huge favor, go to DraftKings. 
DraftKings new customers bet $5 on any sport, get 200 bucks back in bonus bets instantly, win or lose. Use promo code STB, STB uh, at the promo code checkout line. I don't know what you call it. What do you call it? The input, the promo code line. You, you don't get what it pops up on your screen. You put STB there. Okay, it's not a grocery store. I don't know why I tried giving a grocery store read right there. I just didn't know. Uh, this offer is available for new customers for 21 plus and physically present in legal gaming states. Please remember to always gamble responsibly. Please check the episode description for the full terms of the offer. Again, DraftKings, new customers, STB. What the hell is going on with you, Ian? Nothing. I got nothing to report this week. U.S. Open? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's the U.S. Open. It's a it's a big week for golf. Uh, I've been crushing LPGA lately with my bets. I've hit back-to-back outright bets in LPGA. So check out the Bacon Bets podcast for all my bets, my golf bets this week. Um, it's the U.S. Open. I'll be, I'll be watching that. I'm supposed to golf on Friday. So I guess it is a big golf week for me. It's an even bigger golf week for you, though, I understand. Yes. Yeah, heading down to Lake of the Ozarks. Going to play in a little Ryder Cup tournament, year two of this specific Ryder Cup tournament. Love I do with uh, some fraternity brothers from college. There's eight of us. We go down there, draft teams. It's a three-day, four-round uh, festival, if you Love will. It. We do Shamble, day one. Best ball and alt shot, day two. Singles, day three. Love it. Going to be a lot of fun. So that we leave Thursday night, rounds, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So. Looking forward to that. I've been practicing and training. I've been doing 100 push-ups, 100 sit-ups, oh, and 100 right. squats a day. Oh, yeah, baby. We're hitting bombs down there. Either that or I'm going to be so sore I can't swing a club. Uh, could go either way, quite frankly. And I'm putting money, Figala, to oh, win. No, the you're not gone, no, I hope you haven't placed that bet yet. I, I hope put, you haven't placed that I put, bet. I put $2.50 on it right, to win 250 bucks. The right. reason being, hear me out, he's played this course over 30 times. That he is true. He is a California guy. That is true. He knows his course. Max Homa has the course record, but I, I wouldn't bet on Max Homa either. But yeah, Cal- targeting tech California guys, it's not a it's not a terrible strategy. I mean, if it's two dollars and fifty cents, I, I don't hate it. I mean, come on, that's just good odds. I mean, I'd be silly not to put money on that. I mean, I would rather bet him like top twenty, maybe uh, to win no. is, is a bold call. But uh, hey, if he does it, I I'm will, an aggressive uh, man. I'll be I'm I'll an be aggressive man. Ian. All right, I like it. Who you putting money on? Uh, I'll give I'll give one of my picks. I got I got money on four guys. I'm gonna go um, Tyrrell Hatton. Who's the pick I'm gonna give him the show? Third in total strokes gained this season, behind only John Rahm and Scotty Scheffler. Very good at avoiding bogeys and scrambling. Huge at a U.S. Open course. Uh, was one stroke off a playoff last week at the Canadian Open. Tyrrell Hatton, mm. thirty to one. Love it, love it. This was Stacking the Box podcast for Ian McMillan. I am Sterling Holmes. Until next Tuesday, we are out. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. 
But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.